Yo, 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 what's good, people? Thank you for hitting that play button. My name is Hetty Coleman. I provide you content to help you go win. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I am having a go win conversation right here in the Boutique 206 studio with the one and only Marcus Black. Marcus Black is a motivational speaker, a content developer, an all-around fabulous cat that I am so grateful that he has taken the journey to come to Guthrie America and sit down with me to have this go-win conversation. From this conversation, I'm hoping that you take away at least one right thing that you need to be consistent in in order to achieve a win or wins that you have defined for your life so that you can live out your greatest story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for hitting that play button. I can't say thank you enough. Hey, also subscribe and like before we jump into this conversation. Subscribe and like here on YouTube. Also, if you don't mind, go and follow me on Instagram at Hetty.Coleman. I am continuing to work in 2021. is going to be an amazing year of me providing you content to help you go in. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump into this go in conversation with Marcus Black. What up, Marcus? How you living, man? I'm doing incredibly well. How about you, sir? Man, I am doing good. It is a thrill to have you on the podcast. Thank you, man. I'm honored to be here. First time in Guthrie, America. So That's so crazy. I came out here just for you. That man, so. is so crazy. I wouldn't have, have uh, thought that you had never been to Guthrie, but the more I invite people out for the podcast, the more I find out like people are like, oh, I've never been to Guthrie. I'm like, you ain't never been to Guthrie? I've what? been through Guthrie. Never <laughs> stopped, man. Well, welcome, man. I, I wish we would have time and I could walk you around and give you a tour of our little small uh, petite town. But uh, one day, man, I have to have you I'll back. I'll be back, brother. I'll be back. With, with COVID and stuff, man, I'm a walker. Like I, I live close enough to where I can walk to my office, walk to the grocery store and all that stuff. And that's what I like to do, man. But when COVID happened and we kind of shut down, like I've lost some of the, that rhythm that I had in my life. Yeah. And I was just telling somebody the other day, I was like, man, I got to figure that out because... Now I'm driving like every time I go somewhere and I'm like, this is not, this don't even feel right. This ain't it, man. It's not. Yeah. I think even what you just said is already a mouthful because COVID has affected us all. And I, and when you say the word rhythm, particularly so many people are feeling heavy right now, kind of yep. weight and just feeling off, feeling discouraged because like nothing feels normal, but yep. just, just be encouraged. They're like, this is the whole world. We're, we're all figuring it out. Give mm -hmm. yourself some grace. I know there's no rhythm, but hey, we're going to keep growing. We're going to sure. keep going and figure it out as we go. For sure. And that's, I'm, I, I embrace that. You know, like I'm not shying away from it or complaining yeah. about it because I think in it have been some things too that you, you discover about yourself and just about life. And you start, also, I think I'm learning how people think about things too. Like as I listen in on people, you kind of get, a better idea of who they are. Absolutely. 100%. Because when that pressure starts coming on you, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like, have you ever been around somebody and uh, like they, they hit their hand and like you never heard them cuss before? <laughs> but as soon as that hand get hit, you like, 
Oh, I didn't even know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's inside going to come out when you get squeezed, man. So whether that's good, bad, or ugly, whatever's inside, once you get that pressure, it's going to come out. Man, it is going to come out. So now, Mark, we don't know each other very well. I'm putting that out there to the audience so they'll know. Like, we're getting to know each other yeah. a little bit. Like, I've seen you on social media. Yeah. We have some mutual friends. Yeah. We, uh, we connected once with a small group of us and yeah. kind of talked about uh, racial reconciliation. Let's let's use it in, in let's say it in that way. Yeah. But man, I, I'm getting to know you today on this podcast, let's which go. I love it. I let's love it go. this way. So tell me where you're from. I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. Shout out to the South and raised in Mississippi. Are you serious? Yeah, man. Hard Wait, hold on. South. How long did you live in Memphis, and how long was you in Mississippi? So I was born in Memphis. So we we never lived there. My mom lived there, but I she there's no hospitals okay. at the time where I'm from, Mississippi. So we went to Across the border to Tennessee, oh, was born, and then I grew up my whole life in Mississippi till eighteen, and then things got crazy. <laughs> all right, all right. So eighteen, all the, what part of Mississippi? Hernando is the town. Nobody okay. knows where that is, but it's literally I think fourteen miles south of Memphis, okay, like downtown Memphis. Okay. So it's yeah, probably about ten minutes. I get to the state line, the border. So did you spend a lot of time in in, in the Memphis? Absolutely, area? I got family there. That's if we wanted to do anything, probably like. You know, Us and yeah, Oklahoma you City. go to you go. Okay, if we wanted to go shopping, if we wanted to go do anything, we would just shoot yeah. to Memphis. Yeah. Oh, so I, I know that feeling. I know what that's like. So found Memphis, a lot of found a lot of trouble in Memphis as well. <laughs> in my yeah, younger I, years, yeah. I found a lot of trouble anywhere I could go. Just about <laughs> so Memphis, man. I love Memphis. One, what was, what's some of your favorite things about Memphis? Oh my goodness, the culture. I mean, yeah. the when people say like. Southern hospitality That's mm-hmm. a real thing mm-hmm. And I know we get Some of that in Oklahoma But when you're in the Deep South It's different yeah. and, and just that So the culture Of just music The mm-hmm. roots The deep roots Of you know Just R&B Rhythm and blues And you start thinking About like rock and roll And you just start Looking at some of those Deep roots And some of those I could just name people But that The food of course Come on man yeah, <laughs> Look at sure. me I'm missing yeah. no meals <laughs> And uh, you know The barbecue culture yeah. In Memphis it's just incredible, and the people. You know, I, it, it it has its issues like anywhere else. So it's yeah. a lot, a lot of rough, a lot of, a lot of tough, difficult things. One of the murder capitals. So it's a lot of discouraging things, but also the beauty is in the people. It's in yeah. the food. It's in the music. It's in the yeah. arts. The culture, like you said. How do you talking about culture? How do you explain culture? I know you work with businesses and uh, churches and things of that nature, and and. We'll get back to you, but just talk to me about culture because I I have I oftentimes have conversations with people. I think when the George Floyd thing yeah. kind of happened, people start being a little bit more um, um, interested, for lack of a better word, in one another. And yeah. one of those things that you often got to talk about was culture. Yeah, how do you explain culture to people? Man, I think culture is just a it's like a collection of mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. and ideas. That define a particular group of people. Mm-hmm. So when you say the culture of a group of people, it's kind of within that group. Yeah. Things that has been cult- like just accepted by the group of people is like this is what makes us feel most alive, most present. This is how we function. This is how we flow. This is how we identify. So like the culture of the South is mm-hmm. you speak to strangers on the street. You speak to people, you know, you, don't, you yell at them. Yeah. You need anything. Yeah. But when I went to New York City with my friend who's yeah. from Queens, he's like, yeah. don't you bring that up here. Yeah. Because, like, that's not the culture. Collectively, the group of people haven't accepted. We're not talking to you. I got somewhere to be. Everybody's yeah. running. I got ran over by a little old lady. So, like, you know, as simple as 
just the identifying factors that let you know that like this is a particular group of people this is how they function and how they thrive i would say yeah no that that's good yeah and it, and sometimes whenever you talk to people about culture who've never really thought about culture it's hard for them to quite understand that because you sometimes can't touch culture yeah like it's not like these stamps or my phone you like okay these are stamps oh a lot okay, of it's ideas yeah yeah a lot of his ideas and just speaking to people like that, that's part of the culture that's part of the culture here then you can kind of see those kind of things, but a lot of it is just ideas, man. So, talk about Mrs. I've been to Mississippi. I went to speak to in Mississippi like the last three years. I didn't go this year because of COVID. Yeah, and that was in I was in Jackson. Okay, Heinz College. Yeah, Heinz uh, <laughs> Community College. I know where that's at. Yeah, and so, man, very interesting place. And I feel like it, it's a it it can have the same vibe as. Like Jackson can have the same vibe as Memphis, but it's just not big city. Absolutely, you know, I feel like it's the Absolutely. same type of culture. Mississippi and Memphis is very synonymous mm-hmm. as far as like the culture of the people. With the, and Mississippi is an interesting place, man. It is a beautiful place, like majestic. You talk about like just beauty. Yeah, just seeing like God's hand at work, like yeah. old, massive yeah. trees. Lakes everywhere, rivers, just green, far. And when I was a kid, I hated it. I'm like, man, I can't wait to get away from here. There's nothing but trees, lakes, and rivers. And now that I'm like into adulthood, I'm like, man, I miss the trees, man, the lakes. I just want to see, be at the river, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's that. And then, like I said, it's a lot of a lot of beautiful people, but the, the difficulty uh, lies in the history of Mississippi Mm -hmm. and you get Mm -hmm. into the history of Mississippi. It doesn't necessarily bring warm, fuzzy feelings because there's this deep undertone. Yeah. Some of the worst atrocities our nation ever saw as Mm -hmm. as it pertains to race happened in the state of Mississippi. And so even Emmett Till's murder, which really kicked off and triggered Dr. King's work in the civil rights movement, you know, Mm -hmm. happened right in Mississippi. So I kind of grew up in this hodgepodge of like, Everybody's really nice, but we don't ever get too deep. We don't want to talk about that. You know, all my neighbors had the Confederate flags flying. They had it on the clothes. It was like, if this offends you, sorry about you. Like, this is my history. This is my heritage. So it was like a mixed bag of good and bad. And it it got ugly sometimes, too. Yeah. So based on your surroundings, oftentimes that that kind of creates who we are as a kid or who we are as a person. What, What if I was sitting with some of your closest friends and family right now? Who were around you when you were a kid? Who who would they say you are? What were you like? Uh, it's funny because I've kind of stepped into this influencer space now. So now I'm out here putting out all this content and podcasts and making videos and encouraging positive words. But if you ask them, many of them have said like, like what you see is what it's always been since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Just always positive, always smiling. Never met a stranger. So my mom literally lost me three to five times in the park. Like, oh my God. Like, you know, panic. Where yes, is this kid yes. to stumble upon me with a random family? Like, hey, I made some new friends eating <laughs> hot dogs with a family in the park. Can you imagine? Like, I got little kids. I'll be like, so yeah. that, that's who I was, man. It's just loving people at an early age, loving life. And they would tell you that I was like, happy-go-lucky kid, just mm-hmm. positive, just want to encourage people, try and be mm-hmm. friends with everybody. So that's kind of who I was from a small child. Now, did you have a lot of friends? Were you the, one of the kid, popular kids in the, in the neighborhood? Yes, when I was little. But then that went away because, you know. Wait, wait, don't get to that yet. Yeah, let's okay. just stick, let's yeah. just stick right was, now. When you were little. When I was little, I was yeah. all the friends. <laughs> I did. I did. Everybody, you know. Yeah. Everybody was my friend. Yeah. And so then, let, let's say that being little stops in middle school, right? Yeah. What 
tell me that middle hood, that middle school experience for you because you were going to school in a small town, right? It was okay. So yeah. what what was that like for you? Man, it was fun as far as I can remember. You know, we had probably stuff like Guthrie, you know, where you have the fall festival and there's like the carnivals and people uh-huh. still bobbing for apples and you can win the goldfish. So like that was just enchanting for me as a small child and like you know it's a really good place to live. So like even though Mississippi is like the poorest state in the union, it's pretty much last in like all the statistical categories. My specific area just really good. We kind of were an anomaly. We kind of steer clear of that. So that was just good, man. It was great. I just remember lighting up and loving school and loving like classes and loving the teachers and everybody was super kind so yeah that was my earliest memories of it yeah so was there anything that that you can remember that stands out to you middle school that kind of you feel like started making a difference in the direction of life you were going in man so a couple things happened in middle school first of all one of the things i haven't talked about is so my dad is biracial okay but he a huge percentage white okay and if you see him, his skin is very like his skin is like this hoodie. I'm okay. not exaggerating. So, you know, kids don't understand. And I talked about the deep roots of Mississippi. Yeah. So as I get a little older, these kids start seeing my dad come pick me up. And then he had this old beat up truck. And I used to be so sad when he would pick me up. I'm just keeping it real. Yeah. Because we didn't have much. And, you know, you're identified mm-hmm. by that. So I got picked mm-hmm. on a lot. Mm-hmm. Got picked on by the kids. Oh, they would make fun of me because his dad, the black kids. Oh, his daddy's white. He's not one of us. His then then I felt like this sadness because I'm like these people who were my friend now. Okay, I don't identify. So is this when you kind of started not being so popular? Or we didn't. We didn't have out? a lot of money, yeah. so I had clothes that weren't the big. Maybe come from uh, Walmart, and my dad had give me his shoes, which were like three sizes too big, so they would flop on my feet. Mm. <laughs> It's funny now, but you know, kids don't understand. So okay, that could be brutal. I'm not identifying with the black kids, so I try to fit in with the white kids, but I'm brown. So it's like, well, you're not one of us either. So I literally had three friends at this point. Yeah. And and I got picked on a lot because then I was a little chubby kid. And yeah, man, it was that was like a little rough season. Yeah, yeah. So was that all the way through middle school, kind of going into high school, or was there before end of eighth grade, you getting ready to go to high school? In, it was in eighth grade, and I had this revelation. And this is crazy because something so profound, I literally teach people this today. But this is eighth grade, though. In eighth That's why you not start young because you can find it. In the, yeah, it's in, in the timeline. In eighth grade, people don't tell you that you get to determine who you are in Come this on. life. Yeah. And so I remember thinking. I remember crying at home because I had three friends they were the only people who would talk to me, only people who would, And I just remember thinking to myself, like, man, this is not okay. And I haven't talked about this, but my dad, during this whole time frame, was heavily struggling with alcoholism. Mm-hmm. So he was very verbally abusive. Now, it's crazy to watch the train. We'll get to all of that, but, yeah. like, who he is now is not who he was then. But who he was then, it was rough. And yeah. so I, I got these people not accepting me at school, belittling me, mistreating me. I come home, he's yelling, always angry. Always screaming, always telling me I'm nothing. And so my heart is broken. I remember crying one night and saying, man, it's not supposed to be this way. I'm talking to God as a middle school kid. Like, I don't know what it is, but this is not it. Yeah. And so I just started thinking. And I was like, you know, none of those people know me. They don't know what's in my heart. They don't know what gifts I have. And they don't get to decide that. So I said, I'm going to 
basically repackage myself. Like I'm I'm that dude. This is yeah. who I am. Yeah. I'm the cool kid. If you love love it, great. If you hate it, so be it. Yeah. I don't care what you think. You're not gonna hurt my feelings. I'm not gonna let you that close. And I went to school with this new attitude and like <laughs> I went from being that kid with three friends to to being named Mr. Hernando Middle School, like the most popular person voted on by the whole student body, just from a, a mindset shift yeah. to say, I'm not that. I'm not walking around my shoulder slump sad because of what you think of me. I know who I am. Yeah. And it's not what you think I am. So if you love it, great. If you don't, so be it. And that was a moment. That All that took was a moment of kind of having this thought of like, I don't have to do this. I don't have to be... Who, who they're trying to make me out to be. Yeah, yes. That's cool. And so you go to middle school with this mindset change. Now, eighth grade is happening. Some in the eighth grade. Now, do y'all go to high school or what, what get, does it look like? Yeah, so middle school was sixth, seventh, and eighth. So uh-huh. sixth and seventh were rough. But at the end of seventh, that summer is when I made that shift. Eighth grade was like I was the man. It just happened overnight. Just yeah. That dude. Yeah. And then going into high school, it just carried. Because here's the thing. You can't. Necessary, like I wouldn't say you can teach confidence. It's an inner, it's inner work, mm. it's soul work. Mm. So, like I can tell you what it takes, but you got to look in the mirror. You got to look yeah. at your flaws. You got to realize that you're not defined by any of that, and you got to find that strength and that piece of you, that uniqueness that God gave that He gave you. You got to, mm. you got to soul search. Yeah. And when you find it, you can't, you can't. How can you go back? How, how do people soul search, search that though? Like, is that is that question like asking questions to yourself? It's crazy. Like today, my on, on my, I'm doing a video every day for 30 days around go win. And yeah. today was about just asking yourself questions. Like, so the question that I'm asking myself: Why do I set goals? And and, and in that, um, I began to um, have other questions, right? But in that, I started kind of having this discovery of things when I started asking myself questions and then let myself respond. Is what other ways do you do you kind of you see ask, that happening? You ask yourself questions, but you got to be honest. You mm-hmm. got to be intentional. Mm-hmm. So it's not gonna happen on accident. You have mm-hmm. to. And the what thing happens is we get older, and the older we get, the busier we become, and the busier we become, we stop making time for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So when people say soul searching, it's like okay, I'm putting Netflix down. I'm putting yep. the phone down. I'm putting social. I'm putting it all down, and I'm going to intentionally spend time with myself. Most people don't know who they are. Most people don't know what they want. They're just a hodgepodge of trying to fit into every social circle, the church circle, the friend circle, the yeah. work circle to just assimilate and and be who they're supposed to be. And then they feel empty and bitter about it. And I'm like, no, if you, you have to spend time with yourself, ask yourself questions, but don't say what you want to hear. You got to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Good, bad and ugly. Yeah. And you got to look at the part where you're weak and look at where you're strong and then start that's when you can start moving the pieces around to progress it to where you want to go. Now we're, we're going to go back to high school yeah. and, and kind of that transition. But I know that one of the things that you do is coaching mm-hmm. and you call it mindset coaching. Yeah. yeah. And so you, you're challenging people to do these things in their lives along the process you're with them. Yes. So how important is it to not only to ask yourself questions, but maybe to have somebody go that journey with you while you're asking those questions. Every person needs a coach. Every Even every coach needs a coach. So while people invest in themselves and their mindsets with me, I paid $1,000 a month for my coach. Yeah. And people are like, oh, what? But here's the thing. Like, you're always going to be your own worst enemy. You're always mm-hmm. going to be your own worst critic. You're always going to celebrate yourself the least. You're going to extend yourself the least amount of grace. We just are. You look in the mirror, you see every flaw. Yeah. 
People aren't looking at you like the way you're looking at yourself. People aren't thinking of you the way you're thinking about yourself. Mm-hmm. So like what that person that you're investing in or that coach does is help you see the reality. They remove all of your insecurities and say, let's let's table that yeah. and let's just look at what it is. And they yeah. help frame your mind to where if they don't need me forever. They just need me for a little bit of time to train them and help them see the picture, see the bigger picture. And once they learn how I think and how I approach it, then they're doing this on their own. That's the yeah. biggest thing they're telling me. It's like, oh my goodness, I got in this situation and something we covered. And I did, it's like they remembered. And then they started doing it. So it's like, see, like we do, we go through our sessions and then you got it. You run. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's vital. You got to have it. There has to be some check-ins though, right? Like yeah. Maybe once they're, they're done with you, there still needs to be somebody there that kind of does a check-in if it's Always. with you or somebody. So either you have an ongoing, if your resources allow it, or you become a part of a community, so a mm-hmm. circle of people. So mm-hmm. I have that. I have a group of people who do what I'm doing, and we just put it out there. It's yeah. just constant accountability. Yeah, It's constant support, love, encouragement. For sure. For sure. Got to have it. That's good. So let's go back to let's go back to you transition high school. You just left being Mr. Mr. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Middle school, Mr. Man. You're now going to high school. New revelation, new confidence. Tell me what that was like for you. Man, just kind of high school in general. Was there a key something else that happened to trigger some things? Tell me what that was like. Give us that story. The beginning of high school was high school was incredible for me. And I hear so many people who like hate high school. You know, one of the things I do now as an urban missionary, I serve high school students. And I try to invite adults with me to mentor kids. And a lot of times they're like, I can't do it because they immediately go back to their high school experience and who you were in high school. A lot of times drives how you interact with the world around you. But I'm like thinking back to middle school when I made that mind shift, it carried through high school. Yeah. So there were people who didn't like me, but I, I, I literally told myself, I don't care. And I, whether I did or not, like I, eventually you just start living that what yeah. you're telling yourself. So that's another, what are you telling yourself? Yeah. Because that is a critical component when you look back in history, like whether you look in the Bible, whatever man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You look at philosophy, like all of that concept, like uh, is just recurring as far yeah. as your thoughts, yeah, directly yeah. correlate and control who you are. So, man, it was fun. I got nothing but fun memories. Football player on a really really good team, strong. Oh, program. so you played ball. So now, was you playing ball in middle school too? Okay, I was. Okay. Now, now were you were you balling out of control? Or? I was a starter. I, I from my first year I ever played, I was a starter I, because my dad my dad was a ridiculous athlete. If he was nothing else, like he he was <laughs> man. This dude thing? this dude was Steph Curry before there was a Steph yeah. Curry. Okay. And oh, he's he, a basketball. Okay. Like he's like I can't tell you how many people just see me on the street and start telling me these thirty year old stories of him uh-huh. just lights out at the gym. So I got that honest. And just being an athlete, I played baseball, basketball, I was on a track team. I mean, football, I, all the sports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But football, was, I was strong, man, strong, big, strong, stronger yeah. than everybody, fast, could move. So, but What I, position did you play? On the offensive and defensive line. Okay. I didn't have technique, though. So this is another. So this is one of those pivotal moments. My sophomore year, my freshman year, I got to play and practice with varsity. Now, I didn't get on the field because they were ridiculous. Yeah. Several of those guys went to the NFL. Yeah. But I got to practice with them. Got knocked out by a couple of them. That was an accomplishment. Um, but my sophomore year, we were in spring practice. And I'll never forget this. I was 
we out there practicing. The camera was on, and I, my stance, I couldn't get in the stance right. I'm strong, I could hit, but my stance was off, so I kept getting beat. So we went back and watched the film. My coach turned on the film. He had this red laser. You didn't want to be on the red laser. You didn't. Because <laughs> he, he points stuff out, right? Big screen. Yeah. He going to point uh-huh. it out to everybody. Yeah. He pulled that laser out. I was like, who is this? <laughs> Quiet. I didn't want to say it was me. <laughs> who, who is this? I'm like, this is me. And he said, who is me? I said, he got my attention. He, and he just went in on me like, this is terrible. This is poor. You know, that's the type of thing that could break. You know, like, yeah. oh, man, yeah. that suck. I, I'm not yeah. good. You know, it's not about gifting. You don't revert anymore. back. That practice ended. Everybody was leaving. He stopped me. He took me in his office. He spent like 30 minutes. He was like, do it now. And he fixed it. He was like coaching. He was telling me, all right, change this. Let's change this. Let's shift your weight here. I mean, just like work. He didn't just call it out and belittle me. He worked it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that transformed everything for me. I went from couldn't even get in a stance to the next year after that being voted first team all region, first team all metro. In my senior year, I was all everything, all county, all region, yeah. all Memphis metro. You know, I had all these accolades. And that's the importance of coaching because so many times we get in our own mind and we mm-hmm. think our feelings get in the way. Mm-hmm. Well, they pointing me out. Well, they, they're critiquing me. Well, they're trying to they hurt my feelings. And if I let my feelings control me, I would have never gotten all those accolades because I wouldn't have been able to take in what he was trying to give yeah. me. Yeah. And so that transformed my life because I was like, I want it. Give me all the feedback. Yeah. Let me. What can I do better? How yeah. can I grow? Because I see the direct result of what happens when mm-hmm. you adjust. So once you, you saw how he kind of critiqued you, coached you up – in the office without anybody else around. You weren't even hitting players. But from him just directing you, once you got on the field, it was lights out, right? It you was. was like, man, I'm going to take now this I got the technique. It, yeah. Oh, it's go time. Yeah. The inter- the interesting thing, though, too, is like you had already been practicing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they had already been watching you. Yeah. But it was something about coming back and watching it, and their sole focus was just watching that film. You know, sometimes when you're in the midst, I always tell leaders this, I always, and I'm, I'm working on this, trying to get my team to work on this. Like, if you're in the mix of something, it's hard for you to see everything. But when you give other people the opportunity to be the ones in the mix and you get to help serve them while they're in the mix, yeah. you get to see things from a different perspective. You do. You know? Cute, man. And, and, and so that's that's cool, too, that I think just from listening, I don't know if that's true for him or how they would say that, but I kind of see that that being something Because like, you've been practicing. They yep. they knew where you were at, right? Yeah, they did, but yeah. it's, like you said, it's different when they have that audit process. All right, it's on mm-hmm. camera now. Mm-hmm. Let's go back and see mm-hmm. exactly what's happening. They saw me getting beat in the practice. Yeah, they didn't see why because it's yeah. happening so fast. Yeah, it was in afterwards they saw like, okay, you're not even you're, you're off position. Your weight is off kilter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, man. No, that's good. I remember. So I was a linebacker in high school, and uh, I had never. I only played my senior year, and. Uh, and when I came out, I knew that I was going to come out that summer. I worked out like crazy, ran a lot. The one thing that I knew that I had to really work on was conditioning. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be the guy lumped over. Because <laughs> most people coming to this, you know, because during that time, man, they weren't doing summer trainings yeah. and things like that. I mean, we talking 1992. Yeah. And uh, I remember just saying, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I'm in the best condition possible to even have a chance. Because in high school football, like some of us, not just, pol- it's not politics in the sense of like, it is kind of politics. Like, you could be better than somebody, but if they've been playing, like, they're they going to keep playing. Yeah, they're going to keep playing. Yeah. So I knew I had to make some kind of sense. So anyway, I ended up being a linebacker. But I remember it was like just one technique that my coach showed, and I just held on to it 
And like to this day, I still remember. Like I'd be telling my sons, like this is, the te- this is how you do it. Like it's probably not right or whatever. But it was that one technique yeah. that he took me yeah, stick with and you. did. Yeah, and so I ended up being like defensive player of the year and all that. Got offers just for playing one year. Yeah, one year of ball. But I think it was that more so that technique and him just coaching me up. It's the difference. It's the difference between good to great because you can have natural ability, but mm-hmm. it's when you start refining the edges mm-hmm. that you can really yeah man. go to the next level. Yeah. So you was ball playing high school like. Friends, what what was that? What does that look like? I know you said there were some challenges there. This is this wasn't like the best in, environment. My mom literally told me today that I was a renegade. <laughs> she was like, I said, that's when you didn't like me. She said, No, you were a renegade. She said, If I had known all that you were out here doing, I would have just locked you in the room and put away the key. Mm-hmm. And that's even for parents right now who have kids who are like, I don't know what to do. I'm fighting, man. Just keep praying for them and keep trying to provide nurture and support because I am living proof of what can happen for sure. if you just keep supporting, keep loving. Don't give up on them ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's a mixed bag. My mom was the church secretary, so I grew up in the church. But oh, okay. I, I didn't care about it. I grew up. I mean, I... That was I lived yeah. at the church, but yeah. I also it didn't. It was just like, oh, some girls in there, cool. I'm gonna go, you know, honestly. Yeah, that's what it was, and it wasn't about the relationship with me as much as it was doing what you're supposed to do. Yep. Now I had my dad who was in that season still struggling with alcohol, so he's fighting my mom tooth and nail. Like everybody out there is hypocrites. I don't believe what they say. They don't even practice, you know. So it's like this chaos. But she's forcing me to go. Sometimes he's holding my brothers back, and they're like dividing us, and so that was. That was really rough. And so I had a couple. I had my church friends. So I had my two best friends at the church. And then I had my other best friends. Um, and so that's who I would go. And we would run through the streets and, and do all the stuff we weren't supposed to be doing. And, yeah. and finding trouble. And so that was just this season of, you know, probably start feeling myself a little too much. You know, start seeing myself in the newspaper, yeah. in the Memphis paper. Uh-huh. Like, that's the city paper. I'm like, oh, that's a picture of me. Like, that's yeah. my. Start feeling myself a little too much. And. My senior year of high school, this is this is the defining moment. Everything I'm doing today stems from this moment. Um, last week of the season, I'm getting ready for a big night, getting ready for transition to the next season of my life. And we were, friends of mine and I, were going to a church event, a youth event. We were on the church van. We were about to go battle of the bands in Memphis, just hear some good music, just have some fun. And there were some little kids right before he pulled off. They wanted to get on the bus. Well, we didn't have room. We didn't want to turn nobody away. My friend was like, it's okay. I got a car. The oldest of us, we got off, let the little kids get on the bus. We drove. Go have an incredible time. Having a great time. It's all good. And we leave. Well, on the way back, it's like, man, this is honestly, this is where God became like real to me, mm-hmm. right? Because when we were coming back, and I don't know how much time we have, so that's what I'm doing in my head. Working Man, go out. ahead. No, I'm working, working out. Yeah, what that's to, what I, I said I didn't want to rush. I don't I'm want working to rush out what ahead. to leave out of this. Yeah, yeah. My, we get in the car. My friend and I, right before we get in the car, arguing. You know, we showing out some girls over there. He's like, well, I got a shotgun. I'm like, no, I got a shotgun. You know, like when you're a high school yeah. boy. He's like, well, you had a shotgun on the way up here. I'm like, so I'm bigger than you. So, And so finally... Wind up just getting in the back seat, letting him take the front seat. Mm-hmm. And all good. That is significant. We leave. We're about to get on the highway from Memphis to head home. We stop at a gas station. We don't get gas. We don't get air in the top. Like, we just stop. We pull over. 
looking at my friend that's driving like, yo, you, are you good? Like, we, yeah, I'm good. Like, why are we here? No reason. In that, I mean, we just there. In that moment, my friend who's in the front is like, you know what? You can have shotgun. I don't want it no more. I'm like, I'm in now. I'm already in the car. He's like, he gets out the car. I'm like, so I get out the car. We trade seats. Get back on the highway and go home. Random. As we're going home, I remember my eyes were closed and falling asleep. Cool music playing, just dope vibe. And I just remember hearing the loudest explosion I ever heard in my life. It startled me out of my sleep. I jumped up and I don't know what's happening. I'm thinking the car about to explode because it was like it sounded like an explosion. But I don't see fire. So I'm looking at my friend driving and I'm like, what's happening? And he's like, I don't know. And it's getting frantic. Now the car starts jumping like, and it starts like fishtailing and like super fast. We like fly off the highway and when we fly off the highway. We're like right in front of a bridge, just like a 25 foot drop. And we just fly off at 75 miles per hour. I'm like, I'm just petrified. Cause one of my greatest fears was always dying. And that's a whole nother story, but I, that was one of my greatest fears. So I'm thinking like it's about to happen. And my friend is yelling, we finna die. We finna, like he's just repeating, we finna die. Go off the highway, the car's hitting trees. I mean, it's like the fastest, slowest thing that ever happened to me. Glass flying, like whoosh, I could just, like I could still feel it and see it. We, I, we're knocking down trees. We taking trees out, trees falling, trees falling. The car spins in the air. Next thing I know, boom, like we hit a big tree, car crunched in. My eyes are closed. I don't even want to know because I lost one of my better friends, one of my best friends, football teammate, just a little bit over a year before that. Mm-hmm. He died in a car accident. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, here we are. We're repeating. And I open my eyes, and I don't look at myself because I don't, I don't know what I'm going to see. Yeah. You know, you're a gentleman. Yeah. I could have no legs. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Look at my friend driving. He's okay. He's crying. He's shaking. I look at my friend behind him, and he was, like, just repeating, just saying, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And my friend behind me, he couldn't breathe. He was, like, gasping. He couldn't get air. So, like, okay, now we got to get out this car. We're trying to open the door. The do- the car is, like, metal. It's like yeah. this. Yeah. We can't get out the car. So, I'm like, okay, what do we do? So, I, it starts smoking real bad. We smell gas. I, maybe I watch too many movies. I'm thinking it's it's about to explode. You was like, this is going. <laughs> it's fixing a yeah, boom. Yeah, we got to get yeah, out of here. Yeah. So, you know, I I took a door off the hinge. You know, you hear those stories of like women lifting cars and they like, man, the guy's strength came and flowed through. I, we I took a door off a car. That's how we got out the car. And now we looking twenty feet up this hill off the side of the highway. And my friends like, just leave me, y'all get away. I'm like we're not leaving you, so we carry him up the hill. We get to the top. This piece of the puzzle. Everything that I'm doing in my life all comes back to this moment. Um, we get to the top of the hill. A huge pickup truck had just pulled off the side of the highway. This is Mississippi. I told you. There's some tumultuous paths. I don't, I honest, I don't know if this is good or bad. We on the side of the highway in these woods, and this big older white gentleman comes out. I'm like, oh. His first words were like, is everybody okay? He said, I'm a doctor. He just mm-hmm. got off his shift at the hospital. He was on his way home. He had already called 911. He already called the ambulance. And he was able to do a checkout. He was able to check us all out before they even came. Like, what a coincidence that the one person to see everything was a doctor just getting off work. Then 
he pulls aside, everything's good. So the police come and they're grilling us. I'm like, oh y'all, what were you doing? Where you speeding and asking us where you drug, where you yeah. drinking? This guy's like, they weren't speeding. I was right, but he's vouching. He's telling them, like, nope. He said, looks like they had a blowout. All that stemmed from a blowout. We're like, wow, we didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Police go with the parents. Parents showing up. Parents are crying. Like, oh my God, are they okay? They, this is a chaotic scene. The record comes. The record pulls the car out. It like it falls apart. Mm. The frame of the car just fell out. Wow. <laughs> we all four walked away from that. My, the doctor was like, y'all know that if you had hit that tree frontwards and not backwards, y'all would all be dead right now. That car would explode it on impact. Mm. Like, he was like, so whatever caused the car to spin in the air is what saved your life. In the car, in the front seat, my friend was driving. He was a little dude, skinny dude. And then you see me. Yeah. I don't miss any meals. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The dude behind me was also skinny. So diagonal, they skinny. And then his brother behind him was heavy like me. The weight distribution in the car caused the car to spin 180 in the air so that we hit backwards and not frontwards and we walked away. Remember, we weren't sitting that yeah. way. We stopped for no reason. Yeah. I'm like, man, I'm done. I'm not even trying to figure this out. It's too many coincidences for me to question it whether God is real. Yeah. And that moment in my life caused me to go on this like 10-year journey of asking, like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. What is the point? Like, my mm-hmm. friend died, and I didn't. What do you want from me, God? Mm-hmm. What, what, what is it? And I'm just questioning, questioning, before eventually I just realized you're asking the wrong question. It's not why are you here? I got no control over that. But he kept me here and he kept me here for a reason. So now I need to be figuring out what is the reason, not why. Mm, what? Not good. why. Yeah. And so I start thinking about that and I notice people start coming to me with bizarre experience, crazy stuff, just needing help. And I just made a commitment. I remember when I was young, I made a commitment to God. Like, I don't know why I'm here, but you do. And so as long as I am alive, I will spend the rest of my days from Time I open my eyes till I close them. Just giving life yeah. to everybody I come in the country. That's yeah. the promise I made. So everything you see me doing now, all the it stems from that moment. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. That's a crazy story. So that was your senior year. Senior year. What, like what month is this? Like uh, October. October. Oh, so it's early in your senior year. Yeah. My goodness. Yep. And so then you, you graduate. What like what does that look like for you after? Such a moment like that, right? I, wilderness. <laughs> it, it was it was that wilderness season of life. Like, what is it for? Trying to figure out. I was supposed to go to college and play football. Talk to the coaches. I went to this campus. Was there ready? You go to college. It's a little different. You gotta get real. You yeah. can't just bend over and cough physically. Yeah. You gotta get real. Yeah. They gotta. I, from the accident, I messed up my neck to where like there's a strong possibility I wind up paralyzed. I could keep playing, but. Strong possibility. If I tweak it wrong, I'd be paralyzed. So I had a decision to make, and it was just life is more important. I know mm-hmm. my entire life before that revolved mm-hmm. around football. but So that was the end of that. So I wasn't a good student, man. I'm just at this school just showing up and, you know. Uh, now, was this in Mississippi? Northwest okay. Mississippi Community College. Okay. okay. Shout out. If y'all watch Last Chance U, y'all see him on there. It's one of the best, you know, dopest JUCOs in the nation. Uh, so I went there, but wound up failing out of school, 
everything my dad told me, like his voice was coming back. Like I told you, you wouldn't be nothing. Told you you'd be a failure. I told, I saved the room in my house. You all, you know, just all that stuff coming. And I'm trying to navigate through his voice, trying to find myself, trying to figure out why God kept me here. So that's that season, man, was just tumultuous. Failed out of that school, was getting ready to just do what he said, just accept mediocrity, just accept this life. And I was just like, no, like it can't. That's not it, man. It can't be. God is bigger. It got to be something more. And so wound up, uh, there was a school, an HBCU, just east of Dallas, Texas. Christian school. They traveled a nation. That Literally, what? so what happened was this school was started because black people weren't allowed to attend Oklahoma Christian, Abilene Christian. Like we weren't allowed. So they let us, they started one for us so you mm-hmm. can go to school without coming to our school and but they started it and it was already in the red so they chose a black president knowing the school would fold to let it fold and go under yeah and this president was like all right i'm not on my watch so he said i'm gonna take these students myself and my wife i'm gonna travel this country we're gonna preach and sing y'all gonna sing put on a show I'm going to preach, and we're going to take offerings to keep the school open. And they did. They did it every year. So fast forward, like 40 years later, they came to my church, and they did a show. Same thing. Same thing, 40 years. Preach, ask for money, some their summer tour. And I was like, yo, these people seem like ain't like them. So they recruited me. They were like, come, come, come. You should come. Come to Texas. And I was like, I should, and I'm not doing that. That's yeah, what I was thinking. Yeah. But, you know, I got to thinking, and I was like, well, what I got to lose? Like, School's about to start. I filled out all my paperwork on my own and packed my stuff in a bag. Told my mom like two days before I'm going to Texas. She was like, what do you mean? My cousins always joke like this dude left home with like a toothbrush, $20 in his pocket. And like that's all. But I did. I packed all my belongings in two trash bags and drove to Texas. Wow. Went to this school, showed up and was like, what are you doing? Have you lost your mind? That's what I was thinking when I got yeah, there. Yeah. But that decision. That forced me to grow up, mm-hmm. being away from my environment, being away from my family. I went from being a horrible student, failing out, to becoming a president of student government, the president or vice president of six different organizations on campus, yeah. including this course. And then I got chosen, selected to pay for school. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. Got a scholarship to sing. Wasn't right. a singer. I'm like, we're going to figure it out, though. <laughs> Are you serious? So you weren't singing or anything? End up getting a scholarship for singing. That's what how I got to Oklahoma because I was a two year school. Graduated, came to Oklahoma Christian University, and also sang for them and for their all vocal band. Traveled the country representing the school singing. Got a scholarship for that as well. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. So never <laughs> middle school, high school. There's yeah. no singing. There's nothing. I mean, just at church, like maybe in the church, but not like I ain't leading no. So I'm just like. In the group of 40 singing. That's crazy. Yeah. So do you still sing? I retired. <laughs> I, um, I, I, sometimes Not, with my wife, I play okay, around, but okay, I don't. Okay. Let's talk about your, like, so when did you meet your wife? In Texas. She's from Dallas. Okay. I met her at that school. She sing like a songbird. This girl's voice, okay. my goodness, is heavenly. So met her at the school and literally the first day I met her. And I was like, oh, my God, this girl is gorgeous. But I'm slow. So, like, you know, small school, everybody's trying to figure out who they're going to date. I'm like, nah, I'm let them figure that out. But, you know, I say it was a divine appointment because all the, through all these situations and circumstances, we wound up back full circle at the end just 
together, and we built a friendship solid, real. See, our friends before, okay. We built a friendship, man, and and out of that friendship, like I started to like develop feelings. So I yeah. wrote a song for her and recorded yeah. it, and and I was bold, so I was young. I put, I recorded that song, put it on a CD. You know, that was for the younger audience. That was when CDs were a thing. I know. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> put it in her hand. Told her I loved her. <laughs> she was like, okay. <laughs> like, what do you say to that? Like, was this her first time hearing this from you? Oh, wow. Okay. We weren't t- we weren't even dating. I was just like, in your time, whenever you're ready, I'm just letting you know. Yeah. So, she came around, man, and we graduated from that school. We transferred to Oklahoma Christian together. So, she we, came with We you. both okay. came. And we took all our classes together, formed our, you know, everything around our relationship. And we just grew. We just made a commitment to to grow. We made a commitment to finish school. Let's get all this out the way. And then let's talk about the next phase of our life. So we graduated. She went on, graduated with her master's. Then a year after that, we got married and been here ever since. Wow. So what kind of work does she do? Oh, she is smart. She works for the government. She builds computer-based training courses and modules. For like officers and yeah. aviation pilots to take. Oh, cool! Uh, so children? Yep, two, two children. How old are they? Three, and the other one turned six Tuesday. Three years old, and then six years old. Yep. Okay, tell me about the six-year-old. The first time, uh, girl or boy? Boy, two boys. What What was that like? The first time you uh, had had? Man, I remember it. She's like always at the hospital. Me. First, tell me a couple of things. Tell me when she first told you she was pregnant. She, what, what was that like? She thought I was unhappy because I was like shocked. She was like, "I'm pregnant. We're gonna have a baby," and I was like, like a deer in headlights because I'm thinking like that's life changing. And I told you about the rocky relationship that I had with my dad. Yeah. I'm like, I, I wanted to be different. I yeah. want to. I want to provide him something a different level of love, security, yeah. stability. So I'm my brain is turning. So it took me like five days. To come to her and be like, ah, oh, I'm so, ex-. you know, it. Took, I was in some deep process and like providing provision was that I'm just there, you know, but I mean, that process was just beautiful. And I remember just being overcome with emotion when he came to the world to think like there was a moment when I almost wasn't here and he wouldn't exist. But God kept mm-hmm. me and I got to see yeah. like myself reborn. And, yeah. And to think how much I loved him when I saw him and then to think that like God would give his son, send him. Mm-hmm. Because he loved us so much, I'm like, I, yeah. nothing with like, so how what kind of love is that? So it's just everything just became so deep and so real. Yeah, he was born. That's cool, man. So, married kids. Yep. And then you know another big piece of people's lives is their careers and yeah. what they, and what they do for work. Yeah. Talk about that for a moment. How you kind of landed in doing the work that you do now? <laughs> All of this was in that journey. So, you know, I. I mean, I've always been a smart kid. I was a horrible student, but it was smart. I just leaned on my gifts to yeah. get to skate through school, never did homework, just really good, quick thinker, test taker, like all of that stuff. So when I got into the real world, I was trying to find a job, and I couldn't. I had done some missions, so I traveled to Australia a couple times doing some missions. The last one I did was like six months before my wedding, so I was there for like five weeks, came back, and was like, oh, I should probably have a job if you're going to get married. <laughs> yeah. So came back trying to find a job. I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. I got a degree. It'll be easy. No. Uh, Couldn't find a job. What was your degree in? So my, I have a degree in interdisciplinary studies, which is 
different than general studies. It's where you take three disciplines. So instead of one major, you okay, take, gotcha. take three minors that all coincide. So it yeah. was biblical studies, psychology, and family studies. Okay. So it was like I've always been fascinated with the mind and how the mm-hmm. minds interrelate, psychological counseling, and yeah. then with a biblical basis. Yeah. That's so, cool. So you tr- you come back from Australia. You're about to get married. Brother need a job. And I so I had to take a temporary job. Was working out well. It was cool. Actually, paid well. They was like, "This the way to go. This the way in the door." Then it wasn't, <laughs> cause they wound up shutting down that department. Five hundred of us got told we got a week. That's the end. Got to figure something else out. And that led to a season of just like, just struggle, financial struggle. You know, the beginning of a marriage. I was only out of work for a couple of weeks before they found me a new assignment because I was a good worker, but. Just income stops, bills don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then I got this new assignment, and then I'm spending the next year trying to work out of that little hole and trying to catch up and play catch up and did that. And this was probably led to my lowest moment. They were so excited. That company wanted to hire me. And I remember I came in one day, and my boss was, like, emotional. She was crying. I was like, I don't know what that means, but I don't think it's good. Come to find out they had just gotten their new budget. It was cut. They had to let go of 16 people. Eight temps were the first to go. I was still a temp out of there i remember it got so bad so my wife was like what are we gonna do like are we like we came home we were late on rent there was a notice on the door like you got five days to come up with this or we'll see you in court she's like what are we gonna do she's crying like i don't know i don't know how do you like just i remember the the insecurity i felt as a man to tell her like i don't know how we gonna make it through this and then i got a new job and uh I remember the same thing. Like, it was just this cycle, man, of, like, just getting hopeful, going to these jobs. And then I lost that one. And not none of this was performance-based. It was all like, okay, we're done with the temps. Thank yeah, you for uh-huh. the service. Yeah. And I remember we were sharing a car that we were borrowing from a church member. It didn't have a – it had, got brutalized by Oklahoma hell. There was a hole in the sunroof. And we would, I remember that every time it would rain, like you know how Oklahoma weather, it could yeah. start raining right now out the blue, and I would just be wet, soaking yeah. wet in a suit, walking yeah. into the office. Like that was the lowest moment. And I got let go of that job. My wife had the car, and I didn't have a ride. She couldn't leave her work to come get me. And I was calling people, and nobody could come get me. And I was walking down the highway in 100 degrees in a suit, no car, with my belongings in a trash bag that they put them in because they didn't have a box to give me. And I share all of this because those of you listening, you got life. You got mm-hmm. real life. You got experiences. You got pain. You got hurt. You got things that you go that you going through. <laughs> this is 2020. COVID. Yeah. Like all this race. I mean, so much political, so much division. And you feel heaviness in your heart. But, you know, I share this because when I was walking down the highway, I had a smile on my face. And I got home and I was talking to some friends and they're like, what is wrong with you? Like, how can, how on earth can you smile with this? Mm -hmm. And all I could think of was like, man, I should be dead. I'm on borrowed time. He kept me here and every moment is a blessing, even my worst moments. I don't know what this means, but it means something and there got to be something better. Mm And I share that to say, like, man, proper perspective, mindset is everything. Because if you can keep your head when all about you is losing theirs, right, that's Rudyard Kipling. If if you can stay focused, if you can keep smiling, if you can keep moving forward, if you can keep focusing on growth and progressing, it's not about what's happening around you. It's about what's happening in you. And that is literally the key to you unlocked to winning. That's the key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's not rocket science. Yeah. It's just realizing that everything you've ever been through in this life, you came out on the other side. Mm-hmm. You still here. You mm-hmm. still And so through that, that's when everything switched. Because at my lowest moment, walking down the highway in that suit, I'm still smiling. God showed out. Mm-hmm. The next couple of years, like I, I wound up getting a job, another temp job. Here we go. I have to repeat the process. Nope. They saw something. The first day, they were like, oh, we got to keep, keep this dude. Mm-hmm. The boss came and took me out. That's different. He started casting vision for the company, where they want to go. He was like, we want you. Can you be a supervisor? Sure. Mm-hmm. Comes with a pay raise. Mm-hmm. Got promotion in like two days. Mm-hmm. By the end of the week, they told me they were buying out my temp contract. We don't want to take no chances. They had to pay the temp agency to let me go because mm-hmm. temp agencies make money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had to pay thousands to, yeah. to free me. Then they're building me, they're developing me, they're growing me. But God had other plans, man. I started attending this church in the city. And honestly, that came from a point in life where I had just kind of got burnt out. You know, just doing every, doing a lot. And I got, had got burnt out. So I went to a mega church thinking I could hide. I'm like, let me just go in here and hide in the back. They ain't going to see me. It's too many people in here. That is not how that works. If yeah. you're trying to hide from God, you can't. Yeah. Just throw that out there. So went there for that purpose. Within a year's time, I'm in the office with an executive, like, just laying it on the table. What do you want to do? What do you want to do with your life? What is all this for? They heard mm-hmm. the story. You guys just heard all the stories and yeah, all yeah. the background and the heart and the passion. For, so what do you want? That turned to me being hired to work for a mega church. And I'm like, man, how does that work? I didn't, I didn't go to school, to seminary, and have all yeah, the credentials. Yeah. They say you got the only credential you need. That's a heart for God and his people. I was blown away. Yeah, that's good. I know I'm talking a lot, but I'm just no, paying, no, no, yeah. some, just painting that picture for you. So once I got the job at the church for the next five years, I was under incredible leadership, just learning, just growing, just being developed. They start honing my gifts. They start taking my natural talent, honing it, putting me on stage, giving me refining, like giving me coaching, giving me feedback, helping me like narrow my message, helping me communicate articulately. And I mean, just like in the refinery <laughs> and yeah, so that's how that season went. That's cool, man. And so, and then out of that, because I now know you as a you're coaching, you're speaking, and now you're mentoring. Yep. You know. Yep. How does that work, and, and what does that look like for you? So, about four years in, I committed to five years. I was about four years in. I started feeling something in my heart, and I'm like, man, this is beautiful. A lot of people would say this is a dream job, but my heart longs and aches for where I came from. That, that hurt, that that discombobulation, that uh, dysfunction, my dad struggling. Like, I just, my heart longs for that. I'm like, there's an entire group or demographic of people who don't even care what we got going on in here. Mm-hmm. They ain't never coming. No matter what we offer, mm-hmm. how incredible we are, how much we love, they're not coming. They hurt. They've given up. It's not real. And... I just, my heart started aching for it. And so I started praying. I started fasting. And I felt like God was speaking clearly to me. And it was like, all right, man, like, you got to do this thing. You got to build this thing that doesn't exist. Then I felt crazy because I remember talking to my bosses. And I mean, they were supportive. But it's like, what is this? I mean, it's like, it doesn't exist. I'm going to create a platform where I give life and love. Love yeah. and life. I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere. I mean, yeah. love and life. Like, live yeah. life, love life. So... So I went to step out of that and with no job and 
I don't necessarily recommend you do that. For sure. But then I, I got God provided. He stepped in like always. I got offered a job to work with Youth for Christ, which is urban missionaries where we go into inner city schools, equip kids. We give them life skills and we give them a biblical foundation. So that that helped replace my vocational income. Yeah. And then I stepped out to build this platform and I started the podcast. And I'm like, who's going to listen to me talk? Yeah. 27 countries later around the world, I'm like, forgive me. Let me just... Let me not get in the way. Let me keep doing what I'm supposed to do. Let me keep executing. And yeah. so that content creating, speaking, traveling, like it just has evolved into all these different avenues just based on me being obedient and, and, and walking it out. Yeah. Let, let, let me kind of follow through on each one of those. And just I want to talk about what what is a win for you based on each one of those? And then what is one thing that you're consistent in in order to be successful at doing that? So, um so let's talk about coaching. Yep. What is what is a win for you in coaching, and what is something that you consistently do to to achieve that win? Watching the light bulb. The 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 one thing that I do consistently is the same across the board. Okay. And I'll get to that. But as far as coaching specifically, the win looks like it's not about it's not a money grab. It's not about the business side for me. It's about watching somebody else's light bulb go off. It's about watching them realize the greatness that lives inside of them and learning that they can win. Yeah. When I I can watch I watch it every time. It happens at a different point for each person, but when you see that shift, when I hear that excitement cuz they start like oh, I'm just kind of struggling. I got this. I can't put it all together. And when I watch that confidence and they're excited to come back and tell me what they're doing and how they're living it out, I'm like this is it. Yeah. You don't need me no more. Yeah. Now go be great. Yeah, that yeah. Oh, that is it, man. That's the win. Yeah. The thing that I do consistently is show up. That's in every area. Yeah. Show, so many times we talk ourselves out of what it is that it takes to be our great. It's like, well, nobody really wants to listen to me or whatever your gift is, whatever your business is, whatever your craft is. Well, nobody's going to buy this. Or nobody wants to support me. Nobody loves. It's just all these negative thoughts and self-doubting, you know, that, that we have, yeah. that we speak to ourselves. Show up, man. Show up yeah. for you. You show up for everybody else. You yeah. come support us. Show up for you. What do you want to do? Show yeah. up. Yeah. Because when you do that... you you miss a thousand percent of the shots you don't take. For sure. You're going to eventually hit some yeah. to start showing up. Yeah. No, that's good. And I guess regarding coaching, mentoring, speaking, those are all similar to me. Uh, it's all about speaking into people's lives. Giving uh, life. Yeah, giving life, connecting with them. So showing up definitely because if you don't show up in those in those situations, you you have no job. You have you no don't. you have no clients. You have and so. I, and it started with a dream of me like, okay, how do you build a platform? Well, you gotta you gotta get eyeballs. How do you get eyeballs? Figure out marketing. Mm -hmm. But it starts the simplest form of all of that is post content. Yeah. You gotta put content out. Yeah. So I just start getting comfortable. I hated seeing myself talking to a camera. Hated it. Yeah. But. If I don't show up and put it out there, nothing else I'm trying to do is not going to matter. It's not going to happen. Now, got people sharing the message. Got all like it's just it's astounding for me to see people care and pe it's hitting people's hearts and it's doing everything I wanted. That starts with the simple step of you showing up and yeah. just getting in the game. Don't worry about till you got it all figured out and the perfect plan. Just get in there. Yeah, man, that's good. Tell me about the uh, Generation Y. I see you do it. Is it a one minute kind Monday of? motivation Monday. with Marcus? Yeah, <laughs> I get so excited. Um, but so Generation Y 
started by Jordan Miller here in the city. They partner with Fight for the Forgotten, who's doing some incredible work all around the world. They are literally freeing slaves in Africa, building wells for people who are in a water desert. And in the city, we focus on fighting uh, suicide prevention, mm -hmm. anti-bullying, those type of things. And so this is cool. Uh, a guy in the city, Jordan Miller, he reached out to me. He's like, hey, man, this is what I'm doing. This is the heart. He's like, I think you got something to offer what, what we do. You know, I'm just putting this out there. If you want to be a part of the team, I love to have you. And so I formed a, an official partnership with them, too, because here's the thing. I've gotten some job offers to pay some good money that I've turned down mm -hmm. because they don't align with my purpose. So you got to get real clear on why you're here so you know what to say yes and say no to. I have a set of pillars that I how I operate. Mm -hmm. And so when you talked about coaching, yeah. when you talked about speaking, when you talk – it don't matter what avenue I show up, you're going to get the same thing from me yeah, based yeah. on my core foundation yeah. and my values yeah. and my pillars. Yeah. So when somebody asked, when he asked me, I was like, you talking about suicide prevention? You talking about anti-bullying? You talking about helping young people discover their purpose on this planet? That's a no. It's all right in line with my pillars. That was a no brainer. So I'm like, absolutely. So we do the Monday motivation. I also go into schools with them and and we do assemblies. Where they have spoken words, dancers, rappers, <laughs> super dope, and I get yeah, to be a part of it. That's super cool. Talk about the, can you talk about those pillars? Like, how? Did, when did you come up with them? How, have they changed? You know, um, that's a great question. What What do they look like? So for me, it's literally like honesty, integrity, mm -hmm. authenticity, and then giving life. So mm -hmm. it's like. Is it life giving? Like, mm. is it is it authentic? Is it real? It comes from a place of of struggle. So for me, it's a process that I went through that I take my clients through, and and I ask, like, what is it that you want most? Most people can't answer that because they don't ever think about it. They just going. So, what do you want most? Is that's in life? Pay, yeah, yeah. In life, you don't know what what's the next what's the next thing for somebody like that. I would tell you to figure out the answer to that question yeah. because I break it up into four sections. You can break it up into whatever you want, but I say, okay, you got faith, you got family, you got fitness, and you got finances. Get real specific. What mm -hmm. do you want in each one of those four? And write it down. Mm -hmm. So when you when you write it down, first you're going to be trying to be modest, like, oh, I kind of, I just want to be happy. You know, like, no, be what do you want? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't know what you want, then what you just going through life. Like my, when I got that, that gave me a map of where I'm going. Mm -hmm. Anything that somebody asked me to do that doesn't move me closer to that is a no. Mm -hmm. I got crystal clear clarity on my vision and where I'm going based on that process. Mm -hmm. So I would say, ask yourself and write it down. What do you want? So what do you want in your family? What do you want that to look like? Because that is literally how you build a plan. That's how you set goals. It's not going to get there overnight. You got to start moving towards it. But it's a moving target if you don't know the answer to the yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I asked myself, what do I want in my family? I, I know what I want it to look like. I yeah. want to have a life-giving, loving marriage. I want to be a father of stability and provide, you know. Yeah. I'm like putting it down. Yeah. So when somebody asks me to do something that doesn't align with this. And my single friends are like, yeah, let's go to this club. I'm like, oh, that don't, this is life-giving. Like, I can't. <laughs> that ain't so, that so, this quadrant. I don't even have to think about yeah. it. Because it doesn't align. You taking yeah. me off course. Yeah. What do you want most? Yeah. And, be able to, and if you don't know how to answer that question, like, you got to spend time. This goes all full circle back to the beginning. Spend time with yourself. 
with intentionality to figure out what a win looks like for you in your life. Mm -hmm. That's good. And the second part is why? Why do you want it? And you answer that same question in every... Because if your finances is, I want to make a million dollars and I don't have all this money and be successful, why? Mm-hmm. Why? That's most important. I ask myself that every day. Because with what we do, we get to help people. We get to do all the things we love. We get to connect. We get to see people's life. We get to see smiles and light up. But in that, you start to build fans and you start to build this level of attention and people start looking at you like, ah, oh, you know, because they want that energy in their life. And then this like level of fame comes. Mm-hmm. And I have to remind myself every day. It's not about that. Mm-hmm. Every I don't wait till like I get big. I'm like every day I'm reminding myself of why I started this. And it's not about that attention. It's about the heart, the, mm-hmm. the sincere helping somebody and giving life like I promised God I would do. Mm-hmm. So you got to answer the question, why do you want it? Because on the days when you don't, <laughs> this is key, on the days when you don't feel like it, on the days when I was hurt this year, on the days after George Floyd died, and it wasn't about him, it was about my own experience. I've been abused by police. And knowing people who have died at the hands and like the, the hurt and the frustration and all the things you feel and watching people, I know, say that only happens to criminals. And I got my own experience. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not a criminal. I support law enforcement, military. I love my, my people. Yeah. It, it's heartbreaking. But understanding why yeah, yeah. is what enables me to keep a smile. It's what enables, enables me to show love and grace and sit down with those people and have real conversations and still love them and hug them and have dinner with them and not see them differently based on their opinion. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Your why? Why do you want it? Why do you want whatever you want? Yeah. And yeah, so those are kind of the two. Once you get those, anything that doesn't fit in that pillow, it's sideways energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just pull in, like, I can't. It's just sideways. <laughs> you know, one of the things I, I talk about in the Gold Win Workshop is if you lose your why, you lose your way. So I think the, the why is always that thing. So whenever you start feeling like you lose your way, you come back to the why. You got like, to. Why? Because I'm feeling like I'm starting to get burned out or I feel like this isn't something like, what was my why? why? Did you let's, start? Let's come back to the why. Why did you start? Why that thing. And so, man, that's so good, man. Man, I appreciate you taking time to come and hang out with me in, in, in great old Guthrie, America. Where can people find you at? Where can they get more of this goodness? Man, you guys can find me. The best way, place to connect with me is on Instagram at M Black Speaks. Actually, I don't know if y'all can see that, but it's on my shirt. M Black M Speaks. Blacks, at M Black Speaks. On Instagram, I got a link in my bio that leads you to a book, which I authored, which I actually got one from my man, Hetty. It's Come called on, Sleep at the Wheel. This is for you, brother. Let me see this. <laughs> Bro, this Sleep for you. at the Wheel. I like that. I'll look at that Mississippi. Is so, that the car? That's not the car, but that is the real. <laughs> that's a real inspection sticker from the state of Mississippi. Okay. And it has the date of the accident. Now, who's Trent Shelton? Trent Shelton is... My brother, it's my mentor, that's my friend. Many of you may have heard of him. He's a mega influencer, speaks all over the world. One of the top influencers in this generation by People Magazine. But he's he's where I'm trying to get to. He's okay. Great. And so he's uh, he was my coach. When I told you I invest in a coach, it's him. And so we, we got a relationship. He's showing me the game, teaching me the ropes, and helping me stay grounded in the process. I like chapter six. I'm going to write chapter six. So I have the superherolist.com. 
Okay. And so you unleashing the the superhero. So you didn't talk about the wild. We got some common things. For we sure. do. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We got some common things when working with people. Yeah. What self love got to do with it? It's man, a hard knock like life. That's Imagine, some of the imaginary stuff. Now, do you know? Um, oh my goodness, Rashawn. Copeland? Yeah. We went to church. At the church I worked at, he was like, so we know each other. We haven't seen each other in a while, but I see my brother out here killing it. I'm like, go yeah. get it, bro. Go yeah. get it. Yeah, he just finished his book. I got his book in my house. I have not read it, but he just finished the book as well. But when did this one come out? Uh, March of this year. Okay. Yep. Oh, okay. So you just okay. Yeah. Oh man, you dropped in COVID. I did. Like the month of COVID. I dropped when <laughs> I dropped like, when it shut down. Yep. <laughs> He's like, okay, what is this? Surprisingly. I don't know if it's because people had a lot of time on their hand. We did very well for you it probably, too. You, yeah, I was about to say you actually probably <laughs> came out of the book the right month. Yeah, because everybody was at the everybody crib, was at home, man, like, doing stuff they never <laughs> done. Some people had never read a book until COVID. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, man. So good, man. Well, I appreciate you, man. I will drop that link in the description as well, uh, so people will be able to connect with you. Man, I look forward to uh, more of this and just kind of continue to get to know your story. And, Absolutely. And seeing how I can help you go win. So, Hey, man, the words of my brother, y'all go win. Go Come win. On. You can. Like I always say, because you can, go win because you can. Come on, it just makes sense. I Show like up that. for your life. I like that, because you can. With that, ladies and gentlemen, as always, like he said, go win.